Welcome back to Notable. I'm Tom Delore. I'm Grant Palmentier. And I'm Amir Bankston. And this week we have a special guest. Hannah Graystark. And uh, Hannah's going to bring us a personal classic album that she's really fond of. And then after that, we're actually going to go through the Kanye West March Madness bracket. We're each going to vote on it and you know, share our picks and our thoughts on the work of Kanye West at large. But before that, we're going to talk about this album. Hannah, I'll give it back to you. Insert applause noise here. <laughs> yeah, woo. I love the front bottoms. I am jumping up and down right now. Any excuse to talk about the front bottoms? Here we go. Okay, so before I get into the album I picked, I want to say that the front bottoms are an American indie pan- indie rock band. Uh, they're from New Jersey. Their members consist of Brian Sella. He does vocals and guitars. Uh, Matt Ud- Udrich. I just refer to him as Matt. I'm probably <laughs> saying it wrong. Matt's on the drums. Uh, Tom Warren, guitar and vocals. The band originally formed in 2007. The album that I picked today, and at first I want to clarify, I listened to so much music, it was so hard for me to pick an all-time favorite. So I have different classics for if we're talking about world-renowned classics, time-era classics, but what I narrowed it down to right now as my personal classic is Back on Top by The Front Bottoms, which was released in 2015 under the record label Fueled by Ramen, which they were signed to at that time. I did not um, realize they were signed to Fueled by Ramen. They were signed to a different record label for their first couple of albums, and then I believe they got signed to Fueled by Ramen right before Back on Top. I could be wrong, but I think that was their first album put out under Fueled by Ramen. Is that like... I'm a fan of Fueled by Ramen. Yeah, what is that? Is that like a label under like another big label? or? Fueled by Ramen is actually a pretty big label. It covers the majority of super successful indie music. Um, I think Paramore is on there. I think... Uh, was Panic at the Disco at one point on there? If they are, I'm pretty show, sure. Then, yeah. yeah, so I, it's, it's, it covers a lot of alternative yeah. music, especially mm. the big ones. Um, side note: Tom Warren joined in like 2012, um, but Brian and Matt were the only two that were there the whole time. Members have actually come and gone a lot with this band. They bring different people on pretty much every tour, like uh, Sierra O'Donnell, a multi-instrumentalist that often tours with the group, who I thought deserved mentioning because his talents bring so much to the front bottom sound. His multi-instrumental talents, um, they aid the front bottom's emphasis on inclusion of big band instruments into their rock sound, which is arguably what keeps them from sounding like generic pop punk because they include so many um, big band instruments and original sounds. And I'm just going to get into Back on Top. I have a little bit to say on each single. The first track on the album is called Motorcycle. Um, Motorcycle starts out with the stanza, riding a motorcycle and being in a gang, being in love and women's rights and male hedonism, worshiping the devil, good vibes all around, and acting cool. This is just a list of hipster crap. That <laughs> this is just a list of hipster crap that they threw together to be funny. Um, a lot of people make fun of pop punk because they have a problem with hipsters who usually make and listen to it. Uh, Amir, <laughs> the the it's thing is, up. the attack starts. Yeah, that's messed up, dude. I'm a hipster. Oh, are you? Yeah, I dressed up like a hipster one day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just 
wear a flannel and some black chrome converse? Yep. <laughs> I wore a flannel. Okay, I was watching a video. Really side story. I'm sorry about this. Watching a video uh, when I woke up one day, and it was like like 10 things that hipsters do. And I don't know why I was watching this. And, like, they said what they dressed like. And I was like, well, I'll dress like this for a Today's day. Today's the day. Yeah. I, like, I wore, like, a flannel and some jeans. And then, like, I tried to get, like, the darkest shoes that I have. And then, yeah, I just went out into the world. And I, like, kind of tried to, like, cuff the bottom of my shoes. I mean, not mm-hmm. my shoes, but my pants. And, yeah, I was a hipster for a day. I wanted to be like Tom for one day. I was going to say, right now, Grant is dressed more like a hipster than than I am. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Based on your description. I wanted to go to, like, a, uh, I wanted to go to a coffee shop, but I, like, I couldn't find one that wasn't, like, reasonably not known I wanted enough. to go to a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, but, like... <laughs> the exclusively hipster place Yeah, to go. like, something that, but, like, not as known as a, like, coffee. Like, a kind of, like, a smaller one. And, like, I didn't feel like... like the, a, almost like a hipster coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't feel like a Java City or whatever the one we have was, like, more hipster enough. So that's what I spent, like, my time doing. I, cool. I get to culture now. There's actually um, quite a few in Mount Pleasant. If you want, I can let you know. Definitely. I've been to a few of them. They're pretty lit. All right, so I'm going to go there in my hipster um, garb. Anyway, like I was saying, like making fun of hipsters is is a huge thing to do, which is why pop punk gets some shade sometimes. But in my humble opinion, the best pop punk makes fun of pop punk. It makes fun of hipsters too. Um, it loves itself without worshipping itself. And that's what the first track motorcycle is to me with this list of hipster crap, which is just so good. It's them, you know... They're they're loving their culture, but they're making fun of it at the same time, which I think is so great. They don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, Motorcycle's a really fun way to start off the album. A lot of the front bottoms is putting fun music to less fun lyrics, but this one is just fun all around. So I think it's a great start to the album. Do you think in general the front bottoms are like a very self-aware pop-punk band? Um, like in the sense that they know, like you said, like they're making fun of it but also oh yeah 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 um the front bottoms a lot of their lyrics have to do with self-conscious issues that they have not only are they not um i mean not only are they self-aware but they're they also they don't take themselves seriously in the like i'm the man kind of a way they take their emotions seriously and they portray them but um but no they they're very they're very self-aware. I think a lot of their their lyrics and their music in general is is introspection um, based. Fair so enough. I would say yes. Um, and then I'm gonna move on to the second track. Unless anyone else has anything to say uh, about motorcycle. Well, I would just say like motorcycle. When I heard it, it was like a the intro and the opening was like kind of it was really. It took me to a feeling of like almost like kind of like. Not high school, but like a movie high school, like that you mm-hmm. see where it's like a bunch of like kids all around, and like it doesn't seem like they should go there because like <laughs> where are the parents at? I totally could see that. Like yeah. a Zoe one on one high school. Yeah, like, honestly, that's what I thought too. Yeah, I'm gonna take this offensively, but I was like, no, this fine. could be like a like a 2000s like high school album, like for, yeah, for a movie for high school. Yeah, movie. like it took me to like a Zoe one on one like. These kids have a high school where they're by themselves, so it's kind of like a college, but like it's a high school at the same time. <laughs> so that's where it kind of like felt me like with that opening track to me. 
Yeah, a lot of indie people tend to only focus on themselves. So maybe, <laughs> maybe there are other people in the high school, but the front bottoms just thought they were the only ones there. That's a possibility. I, I did want to. I love oh, them, on. but that's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say that this. I think this track was probably my favorite sounding track yeah? on here. Isn't it fun? It's yeah. yeah it's, it's like fun. one of the most fun pop punk tracks I've heard. I mean, it still counts as pop punk, right? Yeah, they're they're pop punk. Okay. Uh, yeah, and especially um, what surprised me was how rocky it felt, and then especially towards the end, there's that break where it's just like a a chorus of voices. I was like, they "Whoa, do that's a really lot interesting." Of chorus vocals, and I they really do love that, that a lot so throughout awesome. this album on other tracks too. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, the second track, "Summer Shandy." Um, starts off with the lines, you caught me doing push-ups in the morning before everyone else woke up. And then the sea dog busted in. He was out all night getting chased by cops. In this moment, I was pretty pleased with the person I was pretending to be. Okay, so one thing I love about the Front Bottoms is they're so personal. They basically just tell a lot of stories about things they've really been through. So when they talk about Sea Dog, they're actually referencing the Sierra guy that I talked about earlier that is a multi-instrumentalist that tours with the group. Um, Brian's just name for him, or nickname, I guess, as a friend, is Sea Dog. So he was talking about them in that line. I love how they just include um, stuff from their personal lives like that. It helps you feel closer to the music. Um, I also just think it's super quirky because after they talk about Sea Dog busting in, you can literally hear Sierran make like a little trumpet announcement after he says that line. Like, here I am. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that line's, or the music to that is really quirky too. And just like giving him a shout out. Um, push-ups is actually a reoccurring thing with Front Bottoms lyrics. Um, in another song actually entitled Push-ups, they have the lyrics, the reason for the push-ups is because I know I can't support you. Um, throughout the albums, push-ups become a, single, a symbol, sorry, a symbol of insecurity, of feeling like they aren't good enough or strong enough, both emotionally and physically. Um, in Summer Shandy, the second track, it's used that way too because right after he talks about Sierra and catching him doing push-ups, he follows it with, I was pretty pleased with the person I was pretending to be. Um, this comes from an album like seven years after the first push-up reference I mentioned, so you can tell he's still not feeling like it's who he really is to be healthy and strong and impressive. Um, I love when artists use reoccurring symbols or phrases because if you're an avid listener to that artist, it makes you feel like you're in on something, like you're closer to the music because you get to pick up on these things and um, push-ups is one of those things for them. Actually, um, motorcycles are one of those things for them too. <laughs> I feel like that's a good one too because it's not like it doesn't make sense if you don't listen to them. Like, you know, like it's still like you can listen to the music and it's not like that was, doesn't, well, I don't know what that meant. Yeah. And I feel like, so I'm going to keep, I'm going to reference when I talked about Bleachers that one of his things is he always says Rolling Thunder, but that like isn't really ever explained even to like fans necessarily. Like there's uh, kind of assumptions about what it means and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that's something that doesn't make sense, but it's like also there for fan for like diehard fans. They're like, that's Because a they feel thing. like they're onto it. But they're like, I got like, this. Yeah. But also in that sense, it's like also people that don't listen to Bleachers are like, all right, you know? Mm -hmm. No, Front Bottoms are really good at that. They've explained. Integrating it. Yeah, and explaining too. A lot of the talk shows they're on or they just answer with feedback a lot. They're good at um, letting you in on what they're trying to get at. 
Um, yeah, so that's Summer Shandy. Does anyone else have anything to... Nah. Summer Shandy's not one of... I, like, I picked this album because there's actually not a single on there that I dislike. However, if I'm going to say one of them is my least favorite, Summer Shandy, I'm not, like, super huge on. I think it's got a good vibe to it. Mm. Um, but it's not one of my absolute favorites. So, third track, Cough It Out. I freaking love <laughs> Cough It Out. Okay, so this song is, like, is very complex to me. Uh, hurts my heart in the best ways. So the front bottoms make a lot of references in this song to a certain illegal substance. <laughs> um, if you didn't notice, the song entitled Cough It Out is exactly four minutes and 20 seconds long because they're dorks. <laughs> um, oh, wow. They didn't I didn't notice, notice that. that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that at all. They, yeah. Like usual, though, there's so much more to the song than the obvious here. Um, usually their metaphors are like metaphors on top of other metaphors. So uh, this stanza, which is one of my all-time favorite um, lyrics from them, by the way, says, I don't care if you're not sorry, I forgive you, and with or without your support, I will continue. What I'm trying to say is, you never know what you've been through. Do you pause and cough it out? I cough it out. Mm. So the phrase cough it out has most people thinking of weed at first, <laughs> but by this point of the song, we see that it also is a metaphor for exhaling all the stress, fear, or heightened emotions you felt. Like he's literally asking if you ever just sit back and think about everything you've been through for long enough to realize the importance, the significance of your experiences and try your best to cough them out and make peace with your past. Um, also, if you go back to the first half of what I quoted, I just think the lines, I don't care if you're not sorry, I forgive you, and with or without your support, I will continue, are extremely inspiring motivation to move on from things and people you never got closure from, which is a struggle we all face at some point in life. Like, you can choose to forgive without an apology. You can choose to keep doing you without someone's support. Um, I just I just think that's really moving. The issue, that issue is touched on a lot in their music, and it continues in the song with the lines, um, but whatever I did for you last year, I cannot do again. It's getting harder and harder and harder and harder for me to call you a friend. No matter how many times I say I won't, I defend you if I can. But whatever I did for you last year, I cannot do again. The Front Bottoms write a lot of lyrics about the experience of um, loving people who are not healthy for you. These lines are such an accurate representation, in my opinion, of the process of learning when you need to cut certain people off and let go. Brian continues to repeat the line, whatever I did for you last year, I cannot do again, several times throughout the song. And it's almost like he's trying to convince himself of it more than state it, which is super appropriate because cutting toxic people out can take a long time when you love them. And even when you do, it's a teetering, confusing process where you have to keep reminding yourself um, that you can do it and, you know, that you, like his lyrics, I cannot do again, um, that you can't, you can't do it again even if you still want to. So he also says he'll stop defending this person but finds himself still doing so because he still cares, but he's trying to make healthier choices. Yeah. Um, it's a song that I think a lot of people need to heed the advice of nowadays lots of people are out there not putting an end to bad love so i think you can get a lot from this song very complex without saying a whole lot i think this is probably my favorite on the album mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 obviously, I was not aware of, like, all the depth to it, but, like, musically, this one resonates the strongest with me. I really like, you know, the chorus and everything like that. Yeah. Takes yeah. you to a place, you know? I mean, yeah, like, adding to, like, adding all that to the background, it makes it, like, a stronger song because, like, it takes you to a place where, like, a lot of people have been at, if not, like, most people will be at at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Right. Having to, like, let go of that one person. You feel like, no, like, person's great. And, like, but then you're kind of, like, each day you're like, ah, oh, well, you're weighing the goods and the bads, mm-hmm. and the, the bads are weighing out the positives. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of the album deals with, like, universal themes. Like, yeah. Or, like, theme, themes that, like, each person will, like, deal with. That's why I equate to, like, like a high school feel because these are like a lot of things that you go through as like a high school student where like the first time you like I don't know man well I not a lot of people understand love in high school you don't understand love but like you think you do and like you okay. think you like understand this a lot of times the relationships you're in in like high school and stuff like that they're usually toxic okay I see where you're going you know so what like I'm you think because they touch a lot on like things that are bad for you you're saying like yeah, back then you yeah. thought things were good for you yeah that were not good yeah for you. and then you can look back <laughs> at it when you're like older and you're like ah that that yeah. wasn't that good yeah i don't know what i was doing at that point in my life you know all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. see you yeah you see what i'm saying I see, you. see you over there I mean, I didn't get that completely together once I got to college, but we get in there. I mean, when you're in college, <laughs> you still are going through it, but, like... It's on, like, on a more mature level. It's on a more mature level, like, it's, it's an like... evolution of that. Yeah, like... Yeah. It's... A, well, you can even say in college, it's a, it's a little... It's extra toxic, but, like, because... Yeah. In high school, you don't really know it's toxic, but... Also, college, yeah, it's a little more messed up, because yeah. you know what you're doing, you but you You know it's it. toxic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... It's something you get in these periods of your life, really. They touch on that a lot. You'll see that later with um, West Virginia, again, too, one of the other tracks. So the fourth track, Help, in all caps. <laughs> so we have reached, arguably, my all-time favorite, the Front Bottom song, which is a huge deal considering how far up I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's almost impossible for me to, like, pick out quotes from the song because I feel like dissecting the whole thing, but I'm not going to put you guys through that. So I picked out some of my favorites. Um, when this track starts out, he's telling himself things in the mirror. A lot of in- people actually interpret this these lyrics um, as a rehearsal of a breakup speech. I didn't get that at first. So I have more of like a, a personal view on it, but everyone takes songs, turns them into what they mean for them. But it starts out with the lyrics, um, some of us go through some changes, some of us go through some phases, things we fall into and then fall out. You'd explain this to yourself in the bathroom mirror last night as you take a toothbrush out of your mouth and say, this is what I want, motherfucker, make it happen for me. Okay. In this specific situation, he's coaching himself to, like, end a relationship or something he's struggling with. But personally, I take this stanza, this whole song, really, as, like, coaching himself to figure out how to live better in general and uh, make decisions that are hard and go through things that are confusing. He repeats throughout the song the lines, um, I don't know what I'm going to do about anything, alongside the line, make it happen for me, and the word help, which was put on the album in all caps. Um, As someone who lives with more than one diagnosed mental health issue, 
I can say that you actually end up having a surprising amount of pep talks with yourself in mirrors. <laughs> so when this song starts off with the image of him in the bathroom mirror with a toothbrush in his mouth and these lines where he's trying to convince himself that he can do this, he can say this, he can make a change, it just resonates with me so much because, you know, of everything that I said beforehand. It makes it a personal classic for me. And also with such a dancey, like, beat and tempo to this song, oh, I just, I love that about pop punk. Like, they take stuff that's so hard to talk about and they put it to, like, such happy music sometimes. It almost makes say. you happy. It almost makes it easier for you to get through. Like, I'll find myself on down days, like, putting this song on and just scream singing it and dancing around. Because with the lyrics and the music they chose to put to it, it's like trying to coach myself through the same things as well. And I think a lot of Front Bottom's audience feels this way about their music and about this single. It's spiritual for me, man. <laughs> I was going to say, going through it, there's like a definite trend uh, of like a very positive vibe put on something that isn't necessarily so positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like a way of like, uh, yeah, like digesting issues that are hard to digest. Yeah. You look at them. In like the happiest like a, way they can pull off. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. like sweetening like the medicine before you give it to someone, you know. Spoonful of sugar. Yeah, you know, kind of <laughs> so it, it's easy to, you know, chew or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Swallow. Swallow. I said chew. <laughs> you can same chew. difference. Yeah, it's, same, it's the same thing. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, then uh, one last thing that I thought was too good not to mention about this single are the lines... Don't worry, the lovers will go down together into the flames with nothing else where they'll promise to meet up and hang out. Um, I think that this is like priceless commentary on modern romance culture. Um, it goes from something so intense, like the image of these two people's love going up in flames, to saying that the scene concludes with them promising to meet up and hang out. Not something equally intense and significant like, Maybe the future will find us in the same place or I'll always remember you type of thing. But a very anticlimactic, yeah, we'll catch up sometime. Like, hang out for sure. I'll Let's hit you friends. up. I'll hit you up type of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's laughing at the decline of dating by just being like, oh, yeah, everything's going to, like, go up in flames for us, but we'll hang out. And you never We're hit them chill. up. You never do. And you never hang you out. You never hang out with them. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was just, like, great commentary yeah. on, on, like, the decline of dating. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So anyone else's thoughts on that before I move on to the fifth? I thought it was interesting. I, I was looking at the Genius page last night, and um, at the beginning, he's kind of, I don't want to say certain, but he sounds kind of confident. And then at the end, you know, he's saying, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. So it's like just a falling apart, uh, just like the relationship that it is. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And it is, and it is, like, and but, but before that I read that it was, like, about their relationship, um, which, dear God, Brian Sell has got some romantic problems because almost <laughs> every freaking song is about that. But I take it, like I said earlier, is more of, like, a life in general because he's saying all these advice things to himself, but then the repeated line of I don't know what I'm going to do about anything at the same time in the background is just so powerful because it really does represent, like, the confusion and frustration that people who are trying to get their lives together go through. Mm-hmm. It's like they're in the mirror and they're like hyping themselves up, but then at the same time there's that voice in the back of their head that's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm doing, kind of a thing. So, like, it's just great. And then with the dancey beat that makes it just, like, happier to listen to is almost inspiring, almost helps coach you through doing the same things. So, 
Love, love, love that one. Um, fifth track is Laugh Till I Cry. So this is actually a true story. Um, so Brian went on a camping trip with his girlfriend and rode home behind her, and she was in her car, and he was on his motorcycle. And they got to, like, a busy... And there again is the motorcycle references. But um, they got to a busy New York City area. She slammed on her brakes, and Brian went through her back windshield <laughs> into her seat, um, which is actually what this song is about. So, like, laugh till I cry because, like, he's in the hospital, and he's trying to, like, laugh it off, but he's in freaking pain because he just went through a windshield. Um, yeah, he used the crash and his time in the hospital afterwards to write metaphors for his childlike behavior and the death of that relationship childlike is like in this song there's like repeated instances of him talking about like being an ankle biter and um just that um she doesn't really actually know him like she thinks she does yada yada um I'm more impressed by this one instrumentally than lyrically. Like, I, I like that it is a true story, but Laugh Till I Cry when I listen to it is one that I listen to just because I think that it's a jam. Um, there's great drums here on Matt's part. I think the drums in this one, once you get about halfway through the song to the choruses and stuff, the drums on this one are like a headbanger a little bit, which feels like an appropriate... I thought about this, and headbanging feels like an appropriate motion to create here, considering the image of someone being thrown from a motorcycle. Mm. And I often wonder if that was done on purpose because Front Bottoms is a lot of commentary on their sound, but I've never found any commentary on that specifically. And Laugh Till I Cry, once it gets into the heat of things, the drums in the background really pick up, and it does kind of create a momentum sort of emotion like you get with pop punk sometimes. But considering that this is a story about him being thrown from a motorcycle, I just feel like that's like a really appropriate vibe to create musically so i find that really interesting yeah i totally see that um yeah and that's laugh till i cry uh six track historic cemetery weird one i mean they're all weird ones this one's a weird one um the cool thing about historic cemetery is that it's a story told backwards so you can tell if you go from verse one to verse two in the song, that the first verse is talking about them being together in her room. And the second verse is about him with aching feet trying to get to her to begin with. Um, so yeah, it's a story told backwards. I love this album and how the more you learn things about song structure, like that fact with this one, the more new ways you have to listen to a song um, the Front Bottoms feature GPD in this song. They work with GPD a lot. Uh, Matthew Miller, stage name GPD, he's from New Jersey as well, just like the Front Bottoms, so they have the whole home turf friend things going. He's, uh, he's a hip-hop artist. They actually released a split album together in 2015 with four or five songs on it. It's not my favorite, to be honest. I don't have an issue with the work they do with GPD, but I don't really get excited to see him on a track with them like he is here. The only song on, the, on that split that I referenced that I'm in love with is called Wolfman. Um, solid song. But I'm pretty sure GPD is, isn't even on that one. So, yeah. But they do feature him here. 
they have a lot of home turf stuff going on so you'll find it especially with the front bottoms earlier stuff you'll find him on a lot my appreciation for hip-hop as a genre has grown a lot over the past couple years for me as a person and i'm just not as impressed by gpd as i am um a lot of the other hip-hop artists i listen to so go gpd (laughs) you like him on this one i no i just like the song i was just saying like he got stabbed a few times on that, so I was giving him a. <laughs> I don't have a problem with GPD. I think he's, I think he's great. He's good. I just don't think he's great. Uh, I mean, I've with how passionate I am about bottoms, the front bottoms. Yeah, like, cause there's some pop punk that I'm just like, I like you, but you could be better. And because I like, you know, the front bottoms so much, I almost want to see them feature with hip hop artists that I love just as much as I love them. So like. Yeah. yeah, he's he's on this one, and he he does a good job with this one. I just not it's not my favorite part of the song. Well, yeah, but it's definitely worth mentioning. He does a lot of work with them. Well, yeah, and they have that split together. Um, uh, were you gonna say something? I was gonna, yeah, I was <laughs> gonna, you gonna like want to say something? Yeah, I was gonna say like I mean, as a person that listens to like a lot of trash hip hop music, um, I think he did okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a no, I don't. It's I said verse. he did okay. Yeah, it's a he verse. He did good. I it's just don't bars. think he did like. Yeah, Super no, I great. understand, yeah. He did some, like, bars. As a person who listens to a range of, like, hip-hop music from it being, like, the trash of the trash, which, like, with the guys, like, you know, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to say names, Lil Pump, but <laughs> uh, he's not trash. He's a Harvard guy, That's Rich. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a Harvard graduate. I'm not saying he's trash. <laughs> Let me think. I'm, I'll think of somebody else to replace a Lil Pump. I'm sorry, Lil Good, Pump. I was really offended. I know. I was really. offended. I offended myself. Tommy leans forward. <laughs> yeah, after, Excuse you. I was I was offended myself there after a while. But, uh, like, just trash artists as a whole that I listen to. And, um... Yeah, I felt like it was a decent, yeah. like, little thing. Yeah, it was decent. I think he did a good job. I just, I um, I expect more from hip-hop than I used to, I guess, is where I was going with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the seventh track, um, The Plan, in parentheses, Fuck Jobs. So this is my other all-time fave. One of the reasons that back, because I love Front Bottom so much, but one of the reasons Back on Top is my personal classic out of all of them is because I'm a little biased, my two fa- like all-time favorite songs by them are both on this album, Help and The Plan. Um, so it's hard for me not to be. Um, this song makes a lot of references to other songs. So they use lines that are originally from the band Neutral Milk Hotel and the band Built to Spill. Like, the repeated line throughout the song of When My Mind is Uncertain, My Body Decides is from the song In the Morning by Built to Spill. Um, and they use that a lot. It's one of their big repeaters in here. But what I freaking love about this song so much is can we, like, can we talk about the steel drums? I love the steel drums. I actually mm-hmm. had a long – I sat for a long time. Um, I went to a entertainment school, music school, for a little bit before this. So I actually talked to a friend um, who is a recording artist and tried to figure out what there's really going on right there because I wasn't actually sure if it was legit steel drums or if it was a keyboard sound that was mixed was with, say, like, like with, like a, yeah. with like a string. And st- but, yeah, I didn't know because I was in between that. And then I had him listen to it. He put it on his monitors last night, and he said that when he put it on his monitors, it did sound a little more like steel drums. But if it's not steel drums, though, it's like some sort of keyboard mixed with a string instrument. Like, maybe like a ukulele mix keyboard sound effect. I don't know. 
But like I was talking about earlier about original sounds, I think they create such original, awesome sounds for their music. And I love this specific, like, steely or, like, picked ukulele song or sound, whatever they have going on there. I freaking love it. It's so much fun. And then they add um, the tambourine to, like, keep tempo in the background. And I just think that that, like, stringy, steely sound with the tambourine in the background is just so freaking fun. Um, it brings me joy. It's like, and it, it feels kind of islandy. I don't know. Just makes me want to dance around. That. I was like, ooh, this is tropical. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. every time this song comes on, I'm like, yeah. Steel, I just see I just see people like with some steel drums just having a good time. Like even if they're not <laughs> steel drums in that part. Um I love that with the tambourine. Freaking love it. Um super dancey. Oh, and then on top of that, they have the timed hand claps also in that section throughout the whole thing. They had, they do a lot with hand claps. I just think it's it's really great stuff. Um and then they have a trumpet. They have so many instruments. I think that the song just this song ideally showcases the Front Bottoms' love for including, like, big band instruments, like I mentioned earlier, and original sounds. Because they got that original steel stringy sound going, and then they also got the hand claps, the tambourine, the trumpet, or whatever horns they got going on. They just brought it all out for this one. And it's super fun, it's islandy, it's dancey, and it's talking about something that we can all super relate to. Like, this song is, if any, like a very college song. Like, this is just being, like, I didn't write the lyrics down for this one, but I know some of them are just, it's him making fun of people who are ridiculing him and saying he doesn't care about their opinion and basically F jobs, as in the title. Um, but, yeah, they, I think that their inclusion of big band instruments and overlapping original sounds really makes them stand out against the rest of the modern indie rock slash pop punk community. Your sound is your name in the music industry, really? And I think that that's what makes them a little bit different. Um, even though you do see growing pop punk bands that include big band instruments, uh, one that's rising right now that I like a lot um, called Mom Jeans, they do the same thing. They ha- yeah, I know. I actually saw them in concert a couple months ago. It was great. They brought, but like they bring like ta- they bring like tambourines and trombones and and just all this random stuff out on stage too. I love that they do that. I was gonna say um, as a person who's like really into like. Like, okay, I come from, like, orchestral background. And, like, I just like when, like, any genre of artists use, like, a big, like, band or a big orchestra because it mm-hmm. kind of makes, like, it adds, like, a like a, a grandiose feel to mm-hmm. a song. Like, it makes it feel, like, bigger than it actually is, which, like, I can – I really like just – I like how they're choose, especially as a percussionist, too. I just like how they choose all their, like, percussion, like, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I find that really interesting in, like, their music as a whole like i would have never thought to hear like i'd hear steel drums with anything other than like island music i know that's why i love it so <laughs> yeah, much yeah so like yeah i just find that really interesting um, about them earlier when i realized that or when i mentioned that they tour with different they bring people different people on tour almost every year it usually is because that because they put so much time and thought into including things like big band instruments and just like instruments that you don't hear quite as much um, i saw them live a few months ago and they hired someone specifically just to kind of play the big band instruments that they don't know. Like, they had Sierra on tour, so they had him do a lot of it. But the stuff that he couldn't do, they always have someone there to play things. Like, if they have, like, you know, a cello going on yeah. or a, whatever they just something you wouldn't expect, they will they bring that for their live music as well, which is great. Um, 
eighth track is called Ginger. There is some spoken word at the beginning of Ginger before the musical part of the song actually starts. It's really important to pay attention to those few seconds because I didn't for like months and didn't actually understand that the song was about a dog until I listened to that dialogue. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the front bottoms include samples of seemingly, emphasis on seemingly, random spoken word and conversation bits a lot in their music. And they're usually at the very beginning of songs. So I just didn't pay attention to that in this song, thinking it wouldn't make a huge difference because those spoken bits are things front bottoms do a lot to add character. Um, but sometimes they're really not random at all, especially in this case. And I should have um, paid attention because it's detrimental to understanding the song is about a dog. Like I said, the spoken word at the beginning is like recorded atmosphere of a party or something. Because you can hear guys playing like a game of some sort in the background. Because you hear somebody be like, it's your turn. <laughs> but like most importantly, you hear the lines, this dog that you found and yeah, Ginger. And then when the chorus comes in and there's lines like, you can tire up, just don't tire down. First of all, clever. <laughs> um, what they did there. And when I didn't understand that this song was about a dog, I was just like, okay, some risque stuff right there. But then I was like, oh, the dog they found is a stray. It doesn't want to be tied down to a home or such. Makes a lot more sense when you look at it that way. Um is in the beginning lines, Ginger sleeping on the floor of a hardwood floor apartment. Maybe one day she'll have more to say, but right now she has no comment. Back when I didn't get that this song was about a stray dog, I was like, why is she choosing to sleep on the floor? Did she pass out? Why won't she say anything about it? But pop punk guys are often only into crazy girls, so I guess it's not that implausible. I was just <laughs> like, this yeah. girl just sleeping on the floor. Okay. Yeah, shout out to the Fifty Shades of Grey franchise. <laughs> honestly mm -hmm. um that's what i thought like i heard this and i was like okay like you guys are dorks but i guess you're into some risque stuff too and then i was like nah it's a dog it's about a dog so are you saying it is they intended it to be about both but at like the deepest level it's about the dog no are you saying it's solely about the dog solely about so you don't think they're like a stray dog there's no double entendre i think that they wanted you to think that because they wanted it to be funny but the like i said the conversation piece they admit at the they um, have in the beginning is literally them like at a party and them talking be like yeah like that dog's over there like that dog that you found and then they're like yeah it's ginger and then they start singing about ginger and like when you pick up on the lyrics about how she's sleeping on the floor like she seems like really tired and you can like tie a dog up but don't tie this dog down because it doesn't want a home it's a stray but you kind don't of think that like they were like this is about a dog wink wink nudge nudge I mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just like that. Um, it could be. I don't know. I can see the double entendre. They grown, I mean, like, like they we were grown talking men. Point. I don't know. Like we were talking about earlier, it's like they talk about um, like more harsher stuff in a positive way. This is their way of talking about something Sexual much stuff in, something in much a different. lighter way. Yeah. It, no, it could be. It could be. I just, I think that after realizing what they put in about the dog in the beginning, it's hard not to tie almost everything to the dog because it just makes a lot of sense the lyrics in that song for them to be talking about a dog I think they made it conveniently so you could compare it maybe to like a person um, you know like a type of person like uh, like they're at a party scene in the beginning so maybe it's someone who's sort of like 
um, couch surface doesn't really want to be in one place at the same time because there's a lot of people like that in that scene too so they could be making a connection and they could be making a connection to sexual stuff too like before I knew it was about a dog that's what I thought they were saying and I still thought it was clever then but now when I know it's about a dog I'm like it's even more clever but like yeah it could they could be I think it's primarily about a dog though also, Brian totally would bring in this stray dog <laughs> and write a song about it. Like, they'd be in the middle of a party, and Brian well, Sella would bring in this dog and be like, everybody stop, we're writing a song about the dog. Well, I was going to say, based on the progression of the album up until this point, if it was solely about a dog, it feels like it would be very out of character for the rest of the stuff that's on the album. Because, like, here's all this deep Because stuff all they ever all do is write stuff. about crazy chicks. Yeah, probably. That's why. That's why I thought it wasn't implausible when she was, like, sleeping on the floor and not saying anything about it. I was like, it's just one of their crazy indie girlfriends. But <laughs> now it's a dog. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it could be. This is a great comment. I feel like maybe just leave it up to the imagination. And yeah, everybody can have some fun having their own opinion about it. Um, the ninth track, 2YL. So 2YL stands for Two Young Lovers. This is such a lighthearted representation of young love and the energy two people can have for each other, especially in their 20s at that stage in life. Um, the imagery in these lyrics is exaggerated on purpose to portray, like, the crazy amount of passion. The chorus is wholesome, though. Like, the love here is wholesome. Except for the parts that are less wholesome, like the lines, I could be the rainbow in your sky, shooting stars above you every night, which seems super wholesome and sweet for about three seconds until you realize what he's getting at there. They think they're clever. They are. <laughs> they, Damn. yeah. Did just you just get me. it? Did you just get it? Wow. He slumped in his chair, and this makes me happy. It makes me happy. <laughs> right? Like, because they make, in the song, they're making all these metaphors to their love about the sky, like how they're going to, um, something about, um, like, fighting the clouds in your sky. I'll be your rainbow. All this super wholesome stuff. And then when they make the the comment about shooting stars above you every night, I'm just thinking about stars, and then I'm like, ah, nah, that ain't what he's saying. So they're just, they think they're clever, is what I'm getting at right there. Amir is floored, (laughs) and I can't continue with my commentary because I'm enjoying it so much. That just hit me. I'm sorry. I... Oh, gosh. The and magic. I usually go there immediately, and it just hit me. Anyway, for, for content purposes and appropriate purposes, we're going to continue. Shout out to the Fifty Shades of Grey franchise. Um, so, yeah, this see, that makes what Tommy is saying about Ginger more like, you know, because they seem wholesome, but then they're like, hey, LOL, no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, and then the horns, the horns in this song. The horns are everywhere, and I live for it. <laughs> there are a lot of like um horns in this song. They trumpets and trombones are a, a thing for them a lot, but like I've said on other tracks, sometimes the drums stand out more, sometimes the vocals stand out more. In this one, I think the horns are just really awesome and creative. Um also if you didn't notice, they use horns as the bridge of this song without any lyrics. Like a musical breakdown of horns instead of a traditional bridge at the end. They go from a chorus, they have a breakdown of horns, and then they go back to the chorus. Um, I really like when artists do that. I listen to a pop artist a lot um, named John Bellion, who does instrumental bridges like this a lot too. 
um he in my opinion is who does it the best but i really like how they do it in this song too um yeah the horns great stuff right there horns are one of my favorite things ever in music so yeah i was happy yeah yeah that's that's the thing like it just makes you happy and some of the songs like uh like like 2YL is about happy lyrics as well. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing with Motorcycle where it's like happy content, happy music. But they still throw the happy music in there even when it's about sad stuff like Mm -hmm. with like help and like the plan. So it's just they do a really great job of that. But this one like is just fun all around. It's just a great time. That's probably why it was my favorite one. Yeah. (laughs) 2YL is great. I'm kind of I'm really I'm really picky about um, love songs. I love this one. I just think that it's like it's cute and a little cliche without being too cliche. They're just yeah. having a good time, and it's great. Um, the 10th track, West Virginia. West Virginia is heartbreaking. West Virginia is like a I just ended a long-term relationship type of song, especially a long-distance relationship. The dialogue at the beginning um, is about how these two are so far away from each other that he asks if it's raining where she's at, and she says, she says no. And he's just super sad about it. And then there's, like, rain sounds in the background. But the lines that follow this are, Ain't that the truth, man? Those are just facts. The farther you go from where you start, the harder it is to get back. That stanza hits me so hard every time. Um, The farther you get from a person, from a place, from a feeling, from anything, really, the harder it is to get back. Uh, I lived in Orlando, Florida for, like, half of 2017, And I went there to follow what I thought at the time was my dream occupational pursuit, but ended up feeling very far away from the life and home I knew, the person I felt I was beforehand, and the person I was very much in love with at that time. And this album was was on rotation almost always when I was down there. So this song helped me through that period on a basis of relatability to what I was going through. Um, So it's very sentimental to me for sure. Vocally, I appreciate the anger in this song. Brian's vocals start to borderline with the harder side of pop punk on this song. He gets, like, screamy towards the middle end. Um, Not, like, post-hardcore screamy, but angry. I've noticed, being a big pop punk listener, that bands like this very easily get mixed in, like, on Spotify stations and stuff, with post-hardcore bands like Touche Amore, Law Dispute, Boston Manor, bands that are much more screamy, per se, but they're really an entirely different genre. These types of music generally share a common audience, though, so sometimes we'll see them merge into each other in certain amounts, like all genres do. Like, genres will share certain aspects of different genres sometimes, because that's music, and that's a great thing. Um, And I think that's what they did in this song. It's still very much pop punk but i think it borderlines post hardcore here because he does vocally get kind of screamy at the end um the way that you the way that i look at it personally is there's like okay there's a line and on one end there's like whiny indie and on the other end there's screamy indie and the front bottoms lives for the most part on the side of the whiny (laughs) um my personal tastes align more with whiny than screamy Though I do genuinely enjoy both. Like those uh, three bands that I mentioned before, when I'm talking about post-hardcore, I've seen all of them live. So I, I love screamy stuff too. But 
I love the use of his vocal progression here as he gets louder and louder throughout the song because it portrays the frustration of feeling like you can't get back to people and things that you love, like you're too far away, whether you're physically or emotionally far away. So, yeah, vocally, he kind of borderlines, shares some stuff with post-hardcore here. I think the anger is really great, appropriate for what he's talking about. And the sound effects with, with the rain and the... West Virginia is just, it's sad, but it's monumental. really like that one a lot. I agree with that. Um, the This definitely feels like where he exhibits his greatest range on the album, and he definitely is the most animated. Because I say for the most part... He, he's almost borderline, um, I don't want to say not singing, but it's like very much more of like limited range, like almost like melodic talking, you know what I mean? Like it's not, he's not like expressing himself in a huge range. And this one, it feels like he's definitely going for it all. And I say this as a track, you're right, in the sense that it is like the most punk out of all of them, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like the hardest. I'd agree. I enjoyed it. Um, also, if you, if you enjoy this one, in the uh, the rawness of it, I recommend watching the music video for West Virginia because he gets really just angry and animated in that one too. This is about an angry subject. I also think that it's kind of ironic that you bring up that it sounds like melodic talking because that's actually what people say about hip hop in my opinion a lot. And the reason I think that's ironic is because usually people who favor hip hop and people who favor pop punk are not fans of the other so much or at least not huge fans of the other. But... They're the two genres that I feel are compared to melodic talking the most because mm. it's singing, but it's talk singing. And I just think that's ironic because hip-hop gets that a lot too, but the genres are usually don't share the same fan base, though I think they're doing similar things. Yeah, shout out to you, Drake. Freaking yeah. love Drake. Drake is a melodic Drake talker. Is he is a melodic Amen. talker. God bless but, Drake. Um, yeah, I can. that comparison is really strong because... I can see why it would be, like, a huge, like, fight mm-hmm. between the two because, like... Or just not share a lot. Yeah, because hip-hop is basically... I mean, it's poetry, but it's, like, basically... Especially nowadays, it is melodic talking. Well, melodic yeah. drunken talk. But, like, what select artists. But, like, the... <laughs> but what other artists, like a Drake or something like that, it is mostly melodic talking. Like, I don't think Drake can really... Like, I don't think he sings. He's more of, like, melodically talking to you. And yet he's, like, so freaking good at what he does. Yeah. Which just emphasizes the fact that that's music, too. You yeah. Know? That's why, like, I don't feel, I feel like it should be more of a connection or, like, a... It should. And also, if you listen a, to a lot of hip-hop music, they're talking about such strong, significant emotional issues, things that they've went through, like, sometimes in their childhood, sometimes trying to make it in the industry, and, like, a lot of what pop punk is usually doing is talking about their struggle as well to um, to get through things like that. So I think hip-hop shares a lot with it that we may not notice because they don't share fan bases very often. Well, I feel like, and then, like, hip-hop has dipped into, like, the punk's, like, feeling before. Like, with some artists. I don't know if it'd yeah. be punk, but, uh, like, a, like, older guys, like, when Ice-T jumped over there for a little bit. I don't know if that would be, like, a punk feel or, like, a... Metal feel, I don't know. What about like Lil Peep? That is Lil actually Manny. a really good question. You he was surpri- the best That's a good question. Right yeah, there. he was definitely yeah. one of the best yeah. in terms of a crossover. That's actually that. a really good question. I think, actually, of- that brings up a good point. I'm not a huge fan of the, the other side, so like the pop punk stuff, but I think Lil Peep was the one that like kind of transcended it because 
I yeah, I love hip hop and the fact that he was kind of in between both yeah, kind of made it more accessible for me, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. So someone yeah, like he him. Was. A lot I, of I like um, rest people, in peace, by the way. Yeah, rest in peace. Definitely. Who's a lot that? of the people that I um, am friends with that like pop punk as much as me. Lil Peep is usually one of their favorite hip hop artists because he does transcend a lot there and he yeah. talks a lot about the similar things. So, yeah, love yeah, Lil, love Lil Peep. Like, what is that song? Like, harmful thing. I didn't really. I caught like, like yeah. a lot of his music after. So did I. So it was like, oh wow. But like, it, I think it might be awful things or something like that. That yeah. song is really yeah. good. He's but just, it, he's very very. It reminds me of this. He was very very open about his mental health issues which is kind of the basis for pop punk yeah, yeah. not always but often yeah that's why i was like so, that is a really good name because i was gonna say like he like he really it feels like he is like in that in this area but at the same yeah. time he's on the other side i, I think he just went with a better if you ever name. listen there's some underground rap too that kind of resembles this quite a bit like yeah. i don't if you listen to atmosphere at all uh no, but I'm going to. To a degree, he Just really crosses over too. So yeah, there's, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good talking it's point at for least another episode to, yeah. to bring up for sure. Yeah. I only have one more single, and then we're done back on top. Um, so the last one on it is called Plastic Flowers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Amir just caught me off guard there for a second. Ones of the devil there. They have plastic flowers. Um, <laughs> Uh, Plastic Flowers does this ironic but moving thing where it mixes the themes of paranoia and hope. Um, On the fear and paranoia side, it has lines like, you should fear what you already know and hope that you never find out about the things you don't know yet. And also lines like, um, its main repeater, because we are all eventually either the victims or the victim's family. This song tells a story which takes place in a hospital, so that's why it's Plastic Flowers, by the way. So there's lots of suggestion as to everyone's eventual eventual run-in with grief and death, either as the victim or the family. However, there's super hopeful lines as well, like the repetition of, I believe that someone's got a plan for me. A plan for me, even if I don't know it yet. Um, the end of this song is so dope. Everything on the track is brought down a bit, except Brian's vocals. And he goes into this aside where he's breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to his audience by saying this. He says, Everybody shut the fuck up a minute. I have something to say. Listen, just because something burns bright doesn't mean it's going to burn forever. So all these people around you saying, you got so much farther to go, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. You know, thanks so much for coming, and on this next part, let's sing it all together. And then it goes back into the lyrics about how they believe there's a plan for them out there, for everyone, even if they don't know it yet. But this time, those words proceed to be sung with mass crowd vocal behind him to give a group feel to this encouragement of having hope in the face of eventual pains and endings, which is really powerful. I've always wanted to hear this song live, due to the group dynamic that the vocals create in the end and his breaking of the fourth wall there. Because um, live, it would just it would be sung by a lot of sweaty kids in a concert pit full of, like, <laughs> conflicting paranoia and hope and comforted by the fact that they're not alone. 
and I've been in many of those pits and it never gets old and it's just as moving every time. Um, the front bottoms are great at making an audience not feel alone in struggle. The majority of people I know who listen to the front bottoms deal with emotional issues which cause them to relate to this music and because the front bottoms touch a lot on struggle and beauty, the struggle and beauty of trying to fit to trying to... This is my last sentence, and I didn't mess up until now, and now I'm stuck. <laughs> okay, so because the front bottoms touch a lot on the struggle and beauty of trying to fight your way through things, um, since that's their message as a band, I think that Plastic Flowers is a very pr- appropriate way to round off what I consider to be their best album. That's deep. That's More applause. What? More applause. Snaps. That's a snaps moment. But we have on back really on good. top. Back on top. Couldn't tell. <laughs> kind of top. a little bit of a fan. Also, they're coming to GR in June. So if you into them, I'll see you in the pit. Because guess who's going to be there? It's me. Also, GR is like Tommy and I's home turf. Grand Rapids. I'm sorry. I should have said Grand Rapids. Yeah. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> what Grand about Rapids. Alligator, they're coming to Grand dog. Rapids in June. And it's like my birthday week. It's going to be a great time. You don't time. mess with awesome. Alligator, Michigan? Nobody comes to Allegan, Michigan. It's for people that have to. <laughs> it's a drive-through town. Well. <laughs> made of cornfields and disappointment. You stop and get, you know, maybe a meal, and then you keep it moving. Yep. Don't even stop the bus. But thanks for listening to my rant on that. I um, promote them big time, 24-7. Yeah. You Anytime can, you yeah. want to talk about pop punk and um, just feelings in general, hit a sister up. Great at the feelings and the pop punk. So. So can I can I tell a little story in my my reflections with pop punk? Go ahead. So when I was in high school, I was a senior, and my friends were all going to this concert for a band you've probably heard of, Modern Baseball. Mm, and rest in peace. Yes, and so I, not knowing their music too well, besides Wedding Singer, I was like, oh yeah, I'll go, because uh, I didn't really know what they were, and uh, so I listened to a few few more of their like work or a little bit more of their work and I really started to just not get into it Mm -hmm. and then I went there anyways to the concert it was in uh Pontiac it was at the uh the Crowfoot think of the Crowfoot yeah Yeah. yeah. and uh so that was like my first time ever being at like a punk show like that and not my thing and Mm -hmm. that was kind of where I left off with pop punk where it's just kind of not my thing I I like appreciate the the messages that go through and everything like that, but I can't. Some I sometimes just can't stand like the the vocals on on tracks, which yeah. I know is probably a big thing. It's an acquired taste for yeah, sure. Yeah, I yeah. think um, when Tommy was mentioning earlier that he kind of thinks that Brian Sella keeps it in the same range. I think a lot of that is because Brian Sella has such a unique voice. Yeah, that his voice in general is almost just enough to be noticed without him using his range and that being said that very unique voice he has is exactly what some people are looking for and exactly not what some people are Mm -hmm. looking for yeah and it just depends on personal tastes like i kind of said there's with my sort of joking sort of not joking analysis of pop punk by saying there's whiny guys and screamy guys um yeah sometimes the whiny can be really whiny whiny (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's an acquired taste. It definitely is. It just depends on on what you connect with. So I see what you're saying. Um, I personally wish I would have seen Modern Baseball before they stopped being a band. But um, they started off, one of the singers started off a new one. Um, 
I don't know. I'm so salty about the breakup, though. That I'm not, <laughs> I literally have not listened to any of the new music because I'm like, screw you guys. But no, That's I get what piece. you're saying. It depends on on what on what your tastes are for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I had something else to say, but I forgot. So if anyone else wants to hop in, I I don't have a lot to say because you you said a lot of stuff there. I'll say that I enjoyed the album. <laughs> Sorry, no, I no, wrote nine in a, pages. Not in a bad this. way, but like I don't know what else I can say that hasn't been said. I enjoyed it. I'm someone that I mean, pop punk is my favorite, but I definitely listen to a fair amount. I listen to a lot more punk and like classic punk. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I lie too. Um, but I I do listen to pop punk on the occasion. A little bit angrier, well, screamier and not whinier. Yeah, like Tom. Mm, like, I need no, not almost like the, I guess the kind of yeah, like like Ramones. the Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, I listen to if we go back no? even further, like Ramones. Oh, like, kind of like Ramones. Because the I'm Clash. cool and original, and I'm a real hipster. <laughs> oh, were you born in the wrong generation, Tom? I was not saying that. I'm just kidding. I'm Whoa. kidding. I was. I'm a fan of Ramones. Wow. No, the roads are great. Do you like the U2 song, The Story of Joey Ramone? The U2 song? Yeah. I don't really care for U2. That's so messed up. You're Ramones I like The Clash. I like Dead Kennedys, all that stuff. don't like U2. I I can take it or leave it. That's irrelevant. (laughs) Pop punk, I'm I'm okay with, and I like this album. I don't know if it necessarily fits in with a lot of what pop punk is. I think it stands out in not necessarily... Not in a way that's like better than everything else, but in a way that it's different than everything else. That's what I was trying to say with the front bottom sound being a little bit unique compared to what the What are majority. you laughing about over there? <laughs> Nothing. It's just a mirror. All right. We got some personalities in the booth. That's okay. All I, gotta say. Uh, I will say as a person who doesn't listen to like all, like thanks to this podcast, I've been expanded to so many genres I would have never thought about listening to. Uh, this was like, like I said, it, it's like it was good. It, it, parts of it gives you like a smile on your face, and like it was overall, it was a good album. I'm not like I'm not gonna say it was like I'm not gonna be like amazing, but it was it was a good album. It, there wasn't really any song where I was like, yeah, I'll throw this off of here, or something like this. Like it was a breeze to listen to, only 44 minutes, which is I agree a that. problem in today's like music world, mm-hmm. where it comes to a lot of artists aren't doing short meaningful albums anymore they're kind of looking for cheating the system so i mean i i enjoyed it and i thought it was pretty good thank you i appreciate somewhere off in the world the boys are appreciating as in the front bottoms yeah (laughs) you know what's interesting i i've heard uh a lot of people say like Oh wow, you've heard of the front bottoms before, but everyone I've talked to on this campus, I feel like has heard of the front bottoms. People like that are rude. They're, um, it's very, um, again, like when I brought up hipsters before and how people make fun of them. I don't identify as a hipster. I do listen to a lot of indie music, but I'm also just not big on labels. You're a big hipster. Okay. (laughs) As someone that knows you. Okay. (laughs) But like, it's hipsters like that that like you don't want to talk to. If anyone ever sees that you're listening to someone and goes, "Oh wow, you know them?" No, it Turn usually around and be like, "You surprised?" It's usually not like that. Like it's like a, "Oh shit!" Like you know them too. Oh, like okay. you know about them. Because you'll run into fans of music like this that will try to demean you by being like, "I oh, no, I'm I so totally get where you're coming from too." Li- and I'm just yeah. like, "That's not the point of this music. Yeah. The point of this music isn't." Um, in my opinion, the point of this music isn't, are you cool? Are you different? Do you listen to things people don't know? Yeah. It's like, 
you know, being raw and open and honest and yet musically original and clever at the same time. Yeah. But you will run into some people that will say things like, I was listening to Mom Jeans the other day and some hipster dude was like, oh, I'm surprised you listened to them. And I was this close, man. <laughs> I was just like, really? Give like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hipster B, that's that's a whole topic. It is. It's rude yeah. whenever it's anyone uses beef. that line. I'm just like, yeah, I'm actually smart. So, <laughs> thanks. I kind of have one more question I want to ask you about this. Is that you started out by saying that you wanted to make a distinction in choosing this album between choosing something that was generally... Oh, it was so hard for me to choose an album. Between choosing like something that you consider more widely recognized as a classic and Welcome something to that's notable. more incredibly personal as a classic. Because mm-hmm. I'm a feature. Th- I'm not a member. So it's not like I can like bring in 20 albums. Yeah, so do you think... That something like this has the potential to become, you know, maybe if you want to limit it to pop punk, but a pop punk classic, or do you think it's like a universal very, pop punk? You mean punk like a, like a a classic in the genre? Yes. Because I don't think pop punk will ever be classic as in world renowned like by yeah, the that's what well, yeah, that's limiting what it to yeah. the genre. Do you think it'll ever it has the ability to be that, or do you think it's this is something that just struck you specifically in a way that? Like, do you think it'll be a universal genre classic one um, day? The front bottoms are definitely climbing in popularity. When they released Back on Top, it was their first under Fueled by Ramen, which is, if you know anything about that label, it's the most popular for indie music, and you don't really get signed to Fueled by Ramen until you are successful. So the fact mm. that they put this album out on Fueled by Ramen um, says something in itself. So I think that it has the potential to become one for everyone. The thing more so with it becoming a classic in the genre is I think that a lot of people who listen to pop punk listen to it for emotional reasons. And if I can speak for some of them, classics to me have more to do with um, sentimental than maybe overall um, impression. And so I think as far as classics in the pop punk genre are, there aren't that many because people pick their favorites depending on um, what albums mean to them. And I think people do that with all music, but I think that's heightened in pop punk because it's so much about um, emotion. Like I was talking about West Virginia was one of my favorites because it was going on during a certain, I was listening to it at a certain point in my life. Um, I think that it could become something very popular in the genre because of the label they're signed to, because of their growing popularity. Now do I think that it's going to be like a Blink-182 type of thing? No. I don't think so. Mm. Um, I guess we're not going to know when things, time goes on and on and on if we're not here anymore. But um, I think that it has the potential to be very popular. Would I say that it would become a classic overall for someone? Probably not, because a lot of the people that I listen, that I talk to that listen to the Front Bottoms, their favorite album isn't back on top. Um, they don't have, usually have an issue with it, but it's usually not their favorite. Mm. So I would say no, if I'm going to be honest. Fair enough. It's uh, it's a classic for me. I'm not saying I don't think that it's extremely impressive music because I do, mm-hmm. but also it is impossible for me as a person to separate sentiment from impression. That's fair. And because it's so sentimental to me, it will continue to be so important to me and mm. so on. So I think it has potential for popularity, but probably not a classic. All right, fair enough. Steve. Does anyone have any other final thoughts on the front bottoms? No, I don't think so. Well, um, before we move on to Kanye, out. 
Before we move on to Kanye, I just want to say thank you for bringing on this album. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I've been on the Conspiracy Theory one, which I really enjoy. Uh, podcast 51, please use its name. Oh. Uh, return of a, a I have been on Podcast 51. Jim Morrison Part 2 this which week. Which I <laughs> super enjoy. But that being said, I have a lot more passion for music than I do Conspiracy Theories. So if I'm on these in the future, I just I have I think I have more to say here in general. Like I said, part two of Jim Morrison this week. Sorry about last week. Stuff happened. I love that we <laughs> talked about hip hop throughout talking about back on top, and now we're and now we're segueing. Totally. I just think that, that it's, my segue it's into super that. awesome. It's just like we brought it up, and now it's Kanye. <laughs> Biggest genre in music right now. So I mean. <laughs> And I know you guys thought that you were going to listen to us transition over to Kanye West, but not right now. You're going to listen to it a little bit later. So we're going to stop it right here. And tomorrow, the very next day you will hear part two of Kanye West discussion. But before that, you want to give some plugs to find yes, us. Yes, I do want to give some plugs. So we have a Twitter. We post all the links there. So you don't have to worry about typing any of these URLs if you want to. That's at NotablePod. Also, there is a blog launch that's going to have a lot of Kanye stuff on it for this uh, for this portion uh, coming up. Uh, that is notablepodcast.wordpress.com. We're going to put stuff there, all that stuff. And then for plugs for where you can listen, I like to say you're listening to this somehow, but there are other ways you can listen to it and other ways you can listen to other Central Michigan Life podcasts. Uh, the Central Michigan Life website, which is cm-life.com slash multimedia slash audio. SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash cm-life. I almost forgot there for a second. <laughs> and iTunes under Central Michigan Life Podcast. So thank you guys for listening and catch us, we'd say tomorrow? Tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow for our Kanye West March Madness that we talked about. Sponsor us, Kanye. Thank you.